back, my friend, and welcome to episode four of this deep dive Bible study podcast through the Gospel of Luke. I'm so glad that you are here, and uh, Merry Merry Christmas, I guess, because today we are reading through the Nativity story, uh, the Christmas story that we know so well. Yesterday we read about the birth of John. Today we've got the birth of Jesus. And it will be great. If you'd like to read along, the reading plan is found in the description of each of these episodes. You can click the link, download it. It is free. Or you can just listen along as we read through it. Today we've got Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, open up our hearts and minds to the truth of your word. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole world should be enrolled. This was the first enrollment, when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be enrolled, each to his own town. And Joseph, too, went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David that is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, to be enrolled with Mary his betrothed, who is with child. While they were there, the time came for her to have her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were shepherds in that region, living in the fields and keeping the night watch over their flock. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were struck with great fear. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For today in the city of David a Savior has been born for you who is Messiah and Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find an infant wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels went away from them, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go then to Bethlehem. To see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went in haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the infant lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known the message that had been told them about this child. All who heard it were amazed by what had been told them by the shepherds, and Mary kept all these things, reflecting on them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is probably a pretty familiar story for us, the Christmas story that we probably hear every year around Christmas time. Uh, but yet, we can't, be, can't help but be captivated by the incredible story of the birth of our Savior. Um, so I hope that you maybe get something, something a little bit new as we walk through this. So let's, let's talk about the Christmas story that we know so well. So first, Luke places the story in historical context. He talks about the time, the place, the rulers at the time uh, to give the reader the sense that this is a real event. This is like a real thing that happened to real people in a real time in history. That this isn't just some like fairy tale story or the Christmas story is a real event in history. Uh, and important that he mentions, or kind of neat that he mentions uh, Caesar Augustus who at the time in Rome was maybe regarded as uh, as like savior or, or a god of sorts. Uh, we have the, the phrase, the, the Pax Augusta, or the Peace of Augustus. Um, so people thought very highly of him, but it, Luke gives this kind of contrast that 
coming into the story is the real Savior, the real God, who comes to bring real enduring peace. And he is not some mighty ruler coming into the story, but simply a little baby entering into the story as the real Savior, the real God, bringing the real peace of God. It says that he's born in Bethlehem. So a few things to talk about Bethlehem, that Mary and Joseph travel there. Uh, one, because it's uh, Joseph is from the house of David, that Bethlehem is the city of David. And as we've been mentioning the past few episodes, that there are important connections to David when we're talking about the Messiah. Um, second thing, and this is kind of just a, a neat thing to tuck away for later, is that the word Bethlehem means house of bread. We'll definitely come back to that uh, late, much later on in the story when we start when we talk about like the Last Supper and the Eucharist and some of that stuff. Third thing is the prophet Micah, chapter five, verse one, says this: "But you, O Bethlehem, least among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days." So the prophet Micah prophesied that from Bethlehem would come this ruler, this king. And who is who are we likely talking about? Probably the Messiah, that the Messiah would come from Bethlehem, whose origin is from of old. And we could we could interpret that as like origin from David, but maybe particularly so, probably more so, origin from the the beginning of time. How about a Messiah who is from ancient of days, from from literally the beginning of time? Jesus, the the incarnate God, the second person of the Trinity, who existed from the beginning of time, from of old, from ancient days. That the Messiah is God himself and is born as a child in Bethlehem, who is, who is the prophet Micah says, least among the clans of Judah. This tiny town, this this. This lowly, insignificant town is where the savior of the world comes into the story. That's incredible. It's this incredible kind of paradox that that God writes in his story. It's so cool. Another note that I want to uh, make a connection with is the note about swaddling clothes. And the connection that I want to make is from the book of Wisdom, chapter 7. So the the author is generally understood as King Solomon of the Book of Wisdom. And in chapter 7, he writes this. I'm going to read through this. This is a a number of verses. He writes, I too am immortal, the same as all the rest, and a descendant of the first one formed of earth. And in my mother's womb, I was molded into flesh in a 10-month period, body and blood. And I too, when born, inhaled the common air, and fell upon the kindred earth. My first sound was a cry, as is true of all. In swaddling clothes, and with constant care I was nurtured, for no king has any different origin or birth. One is the entry into life for all. For no king has any different origin or birth. That King Solomon, who kind of understand the Old Testament as the splendor, the splendor of King Solomon, talks about his birth as like, hey, I, I was born as a little baby, just the same as everyone else. I was formed in my mother's womb. I came out and cried like a little baby, like every little baby does. I was wrapped in swaddling clothes as any other baby and, and cared for by my mother 
as any other baby. I think first is that all to reflect and meditate upon that all these things are true for the baby Jesus as well. That we shouldn't over divinize the birth of Jesus, that he too was formed in his mother's womb, that he uh, he was born in the same way, inhaled inhaled that first air and, and gave the gave his first cry and, and cried the way that any baby would. Uh, he was held and cared for by his mother, the same as any other baby. That's that's the birth of Jesus. It was similar to a, another child's birth. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes. And I think this is this is neat um, that swaddling clothes are like tightly tightly wrapped around a child to restrict their movement. Um, that the king of the universe, the god of the universe, would be born into the world and immediately like wrapped in tight clothing to restrict his movement. How weak do we find the God of the universe, the Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, from the very beginning? And in his connection to the the book of wisdom and to the great King Solomon, how much more incredible is it to imagine that not only this Old Testament great king was born in such a lowly way, but that the king of the universe, the God of the universe, was born in such a lowly way as any other child wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, which is uh, which is a feeding trough for animals, which is where like in a in a barn or a stable or a cave kind of deal is probably where where Jesus was born, is where the animals' food would be laid. That Jesus was born in that, and just like this this rough environment in this. This humble environment where there it says there's no room for them in the inn. The king of the universe, the savior, the Messiah, the Lord, born in such humble setting that Luke depicts, and I think this is awesome, Luke depicts the incredible paradox right here of Jesus' powerful messianic identity. He's the Messiah coming into the world, born in Bethlehem of the house of David, making that connection to the prophet Micah but also his humble and weak humanity entering the world as a baby in swaddling clothes in a manger. This is, ah, you couldn't tell the story any better if you tried. Um, and then we have the shepherds that come into the story. So the angel appears to the shepherds, and I love that they come to the shepherds because it continues this theme of God coming to the lowly. Just some shepherds out into the field, not people who are necessarily all that important. God chooses these shepherds. And kind of a side note, uh, every time the angel appears so far, they have to say, do not be afraid, because the uh, the people are afraid, which I think is probably either, like, just people are awestruck by the majesty of an angelic appearance, or they're scary, or the angels are actually scary. Um, and you can you can look this up on your own for the sake of time, we won't talk about angels, but that they're definitely not the, like, Cupid-looking humanoid people with wings. You can, you can look at what biblical angels actually look like. And then in that case, you might agree with that you too might be afraid. I'd probably be afraid. Um, so the angels say that they're, they're bringing good news for all people, all people. So the gospel is not exclusive. The gospel comes for all people. And then give three identifying titles for the child Jesus. You give three titles. They call him Savior, Messiah and Lord. Savior, Messiah, and Lord. So Savior, he's coming as a rescuer. He's coming to rescue us from something, and, and we know he's rescuing us from sin, 
from from our enslavement to sin from the beginning of time from the fall of Adam and Eve who ate that first fruit in the garden and from generate from Adam and Eve on down for all generations humanity became enslaved to sin and God looks at his creation and says they need a rescuer they need a savior to save them from sin and that's what Jesus is here for savior messiah so the angel affirms very explicitly that Jesus is the fulfillment of this covenant that there would be a future Davidic king. That Jesus, affirmed by the angel, is the promised Messiah. Savior, Messiah, and Lord. And Jesus is not just simple humanity, but transcendent, divine, is truly as the prof- as Zechariah just said in, in his canticle that we read yesterday, that he is God visiting his people. That the child Jesus to be born is Savior, Messiah, and Lord. And well before his public ministry, well before what we read about in Jesus, these lowly shepherds learn his identity. How cool is that? Uh, and then uh, what appears is a multitude of the heavenly hosts. And we can picture that as just an army of angels. Imagine an army of angels in the sky declaring peace on earth. And this is not just the Pax Augusta, this is not just the the peace of some kind of Roman ruler, but the real enduring peace that only comes from God. That that peace has come to earth through the child Jesus. And I love the simple faith of the shepherds. This is just an incredible uh, example for us, that they go in haste. It says that they go in haste, they trust the message of the angel, they leave their work, and they go in haste to Bethlehem. This is the urgency of the gospel. If only we had this same urgency to run towards Jesus Christ, to run towards the message of the gospel in haste. And this is maybe kind of a reflective piece for us that that we'll end with. About the shepherds and their response is that they probably have about three, maybe four, four options. One, they could have heard the message and just stayed. (laughs) They could have said, nah. I don't, I don't think so. We got work to do. We're going to stay here. They could have stayed at work and could have told no one. Option one. Option two. They could have gone. They could have gone to Bethlehem. Maybe had some kind of experience, whether, whether good or not good. Or maybe they just show up and don't get anything out of it. Or they show up and have this transformative experience where they meet the Savior of the world, the baby Jesus Christ. And leave and have no enduring change. The, the second option is that they go but that they just come back and live the exact same life that they lived before. Just come back to work and continue to be shepherds as they were, as if that event had no significance. Option three is that they go, they hear the message, they go to Bethlehem, they have this transformative experience and they go back and they live different. That their life becomes different when they go home. They work different, they speak different, they act differently. But maybe it's just personal, Maybe it's like, I, I don't know if, I mean, I don't want to impose on all of you this message I got from the angel, the good news of the gospel where like a multitude of the heavenly host appeared before me. I mean, I don't, I don't want to impose that on you, so I'm just going to keep it personal. I'm just going to keep it to myself. Option four is that they go to Bethlehem. They have the transformative experience. They meet the Savior of the world and the baby Jesus Christ. They go back, they live differently, and they tell others. That they tell the world the good news that they experienced the message of the angel. The question for us is when we receive the gospel, when we receive this good news, what do we do with it? 
do we just say nope, no thanks? Do we dismiss it altogether? Do we maybe show up at least a little bit but have no enduring change? Do we show up, have a transformed experience, receive the gospel, and then live personally different but just keep it to ourselves? Or do we receive the word of the gospel, convert our hearts, become transformed, live differently, and proclaim that gospel to the world? I think this is always a good reflective exercise for us of where are we on that spectrum? Where are we right now and how can we move towards uh, what we're called to? And I think it's, a, I don't, it doesn't say particularly how well the shepherds proclaimed it outside of their group. Uh, maybe they did. Maybe the shepherds then went, it at least said they had a transformative experience. They went back praising and glorifying God. Whether they continued with that and endured with it, I, we don't know for sure. But maybe they did. And I think then as we kind of look at the story moving forward, did did the shepherds proclaim that good news? Um, but did people trust them? I think is maybe a fair question of like, these are lowly shepherds. Maybe people just think they're wackos and and don't don't trust the message that they give them. So maybe... The way that it said about John previously, we read yesterday that John's birth was told about throughout the countryside. Maybe that wasn't the same for Jesus. Maybe just the shepherds heard it and people didn't trust the shepherds with the message that they gave. But at least Mary keeps memory of it to tell the story later on and praise God for that so that we have that story. But you and I should go and tell the same story. That when we hear this great news, It should convert our hearts, transform our lives to live differently and proclaim the good news in everything that we say and do. (sighs) Christmas story never never loses uh, its, its wonder. Thank God for the child Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.